Well, good morning, 2020ers. 2021. Oh, look at that. Great verse to begin the new year. Psalm 84:11. The Lord God is a sun and shield. He gives grace and glory. Yeah. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. What a promise. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. He seems like he receives joy from meeting our needs. He receives joy from answering our prayers. It's sad sometimes we look back at the wonderful things he's done. Yeah, but we're not anticipating his involvement in our future. What a future, 2021, new pastor. If we take scripture seriously, we ought to be, there ought to be anticipation in our hearts. And to grasp this, of him meeting our needs, I, I've got to take you back a few years. Tammy has a wonderful friend that lives in Oregon. Her name is Carrie. And they're kind of kindred spirits. You probably have a friend like this. Carrie is the most unbelievable prayer warrior I have ever known. It's almost a little over the top. She prays about the most minute things in her life. But she really does live out pray without ceasing. If we're running late going somewhere, I kid you not, Carrie will begin to pray for green lights. She would pray over things that I, I don't even think of. And then we get the green lights. And, Perry's, and, and Carrie's praising the Lord. Me, I'm a bit skeptic. Maybe we'd have got the green lights anyway. We took a cruise to Alaska, Carrie and her husband and Tammy and I, because we are, we are really good friends. We'd saved up and wanted to have this experience together. We, we had a great time. The whole time, Carrie wanted to see a whale. And we're at the last day kind of sailing back to Seattle or whatever. And she's, she's not down, but she's saying, I can't believe. I, I, all the brochures, they got pictures of whales. I, and so we're up, up on this deck where there's a bunch of windows. And Carrie, being Carrie, said, Lord, you own all the whales. Could I see one before we go home? If I'm lying, I'm dying. Right then, this whale comes up. He didn't wink at her, but he comes up and we're too shocked to take a photo. Now, she's praising God, but again, I'm a little skeptic. I'm wondering, really? Did God tell that whale, you know, Carrie wants to see you, go, take, get up there. Could, could this have just been a, a really wonderful coincidence? Come on. A few years later, I had the chance to teach at a conference in Africa. It was a wonderful experience, and Tammy got to go with me. But besides the conference, I was asked to, to preach at the Rustenburg Nazarene Church, which is an incredible church. It's one of our largest in all of Africa. It is an incredible Nazarene church. Great pastor, Davi de Coker, who ended up being a lifetime friend. We correspond to this day. And that Sunday, I preached on 2 Kings chapter 6. Just to give you a two-second snapshot of what's going on, they're clearing land by a river. They're, they're cutting down trees. This, this is where we will dwell. We're cutting down the trees. Elisha is the prophet. He's the leader in this point in history. And at one point, this man swings his axe, and the blade goes flying off into the river. Sinks like a rock. He goes to Elisha and cries out, The axe handle's gone. It was borrowed. Take a look. 2 Kings 6.5. But as one was felling, cutting, a beam of the axe fell into the water, and he cried, 
and said, Alas, Master Elisha, it was borrowed. So Elisha goes to the river, riverside and said, Lord, that was borrowed. We need it back, basically. And the iron floats to the top of the water and just grabs it and says, okay, go back, keep, keep cutting wood. So why would I teach on, frankly, kind of an insignificant miracle? I mean, this is not a blind guy getting healed. This is not Lazarus coming from the dead. It's an axe head that floats. This is not that big of a deal. Why would you preach on that? But that was exactly my point. This was what we would consider an insignificant miracle. I mean, come on. But the point I was making, God doesn't rate miracles. It's his joy to meet our needs. No good thing will he withhold who walk uprightly. We stayed a few days after the conference to enjoy our friends, Davi and his wife, and do some sightseeing. One afternoon, Davi said, I want to take you to this large open field. It's valley, it's mountains, it's down here in South Africa. It's one of the most beautiful places. Tamara is our recorder. Her, her, her hobby is photography. And so Davi wanted to make sure he, she saw this place. Now, we had already been on a safari. And we had, we had, it is so cool, we had seen elephants and lions and rhinoceros. One of the coolest things on that safari. Out, these two or three elephants, not close to us, but close enough we could see, were walking and there was this tree in the way. And I'm sure it was a dead tree. And rather than walk around it, the elephant just lowered his head, never changed his gait, and knocked the tree down, just kept going. Sounds cool. It was. The safari was one of the coolest things I ever, I ever went on. But as we're seeing these exotic animals, we did see lions. We, 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 we did see rhinoceros. We saw elephants. We saw giraffes in the wild. It was so cool. Tammy wanted to see a zebra. She felt like that's, you can see it in the zoo, but seeing it in the wild, it was just so beautiful. It was so unique. We saw none. And now we're in the very last days of our time in Africa. And Davi, this isn't a safari. He's taking us to this mountainous area for some time to get some pictures. And it truly was beautiful. In the mountainous areas, we, we did see antelopes. We saw impalas. So many small area animals. And Tammy said to Davi, are there any zebras up here? He said, well, yeah, but it's very rare. You're probably not going to see any. Not in these hills. Maybe on the way out, you, you might be fortunate. But they're here a car. And they leave. They're incredibly skittish. And so Tammy, not unlike Carrie and Abel, just in the car said, Lord, you own all the zebras. I've had a great experience. I would love to see a zebra. She looked at me and Davi and said, join me in prayer. So Davi and I are going, Lord, give her a zebra. And after all, you know, I, I couldn't criticize. I had just preached a whole sermon about God raising an, an axe head. You own all the zebras. I'd love a photo. We struck out. We saw none. And Davi said we probably wouldn't. But as we were driving out of this area, there was a gate to get in. Right before you go out, there's a speed bump, which kind of makes you stop. And as we stopped, there he was, right by the side of the road. The problem is he was facing the wrong way. You, you have a great shot of his hindquarters. I told Tammy, take the picture, we'll call it rump roast. Then I hear, Lord, if he could just turn for a better shot, if I'm lying, I'm dying. That zebra didn't turn all the way, but he turned about a quarter of the way. And he looked at Tammy. He posed. 
Now, in South Africa, they don't go, wow. Their word is shoo. Davi is behind the wheel going, shoo, shoo. She can't, he can't believe it. It was so close. It was so close. She didn't need a telegraphic lens. I mean, he was right there by the side of the road. And you're saying, Gene, this would be more believable if, if you had a picture. I did. Take a look at that. You doubt me? I got proof right here. Now, for young people, this is a slide. He was that close. Okay, let's stop messing around. Lisa, show her Tammy's picture. He turns to look at her. That's her shot. Our African friend is just going, shoo, shoo. He was so close. And you're saying, Gene, are you suggesting that God put that zebra there so Tammy get a good shot and then turn him to look at her? Like the whale with Carrie, I'm with you. I am incredibly skeptical. I, I'm thinking, Lord, this cannot be you. You've got more important things to deal with than a zebra, so Tammy, get a good shot. Like an axe head at the time of Elisha. Then I, I'm kind of looking down thinking, this is nuts. And all of a sudden, I hear Davi go up another octave. Shoo! I look up, and there's not a herd, but three or four zebras right there. I swear they're looking at me as if God is saying, what do I got to do? Learn today. I love to give you joy. No good thing will I withhold from those who walk uprightly. As I pondered these things, is God doing this or is this frankly just a wonderful coincidence? I mean, at some point, don't you kind of go, come on, this is over the top. I remembered a prayer that was prayed on my behalf. I was so young, I don't remember, but I, 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 through family telling the stories, I was able to put it together. I was about four. And we went to Gary First Church of the Nazarene. Doesn't exist anymore. And to grasp this, you kind of need to understand Gary, Indiana, when I was a kid. We're talking about the late 1950s. <laughs> I'm so old. Gary, in that time, and, and some of you were, were raised in this area. I'm going to tell you what you already know, so bear with me. But Gary in that time was incredibly segregated, incredibly uh, segmented. The far north side was typically money. These were steel mill executives. Back, back in those days, there were some incredible houses way on the far north side of Gary. It was basically served by one high school, Horseman High School. And there were exceptions, I know, but if, if your kid went to Horseman, that meant you probably had money. After the north side of Gary, there's this vast area that was called Midtown. In, in the segregation and seg segmented part of Gary, this was completely an African-American community. It was, it was huge. It was served by, by four high schools just to meet the needs. I mean, Roosevelt, Frable, Towson, and Emerson. I was involved in sports, so I remember all this junk. Once you crossed I-80, you were back in, in, in a white area, a Caucasian area, Glen Park, Lou Wallace High School, where I went. So you have, you have a, a, a white neighborhood, an African-American gigantic center, and a white neighborhood. We went to church at Gary First Church, which was way in the horseman, upper, upper, upper class people, money people. Way on the far north side of Gary. I think, I think Gary, Gary First Church of the Nazarene was like at second in Madison. I mean, it was way up there. After church, it was one of these mistake Sundays. My sister was a few years older than me, was involved in something. Mom and dad were incredibly involved. They were in a board meeting or something. I, I was out in church, and I, I looked around, and I said, my mom, mom and dad have left. 
So what do I do? Do I go to an adult and say, my parents have left me? In the mind of a four-year-old, I didn't want to do that. And I was a solver, and I thought, I had ridden to church so many times, I'll walk home. I, I know the way. And so without anybody noticing, I just slipped out and started walking home. I made my way to Broadway, the main drag, because that's how he went. And I said, okay, we always turn here. So I'm walking home, and pretty soon I'm in Midtown. Now, a four-year-old preschooler, white kid, in the middle of Midtown, Gary, Indiana, he stands out like a sore thumb. I didn't belong there. And a young man came up to me. But, by, but first, by then, the meetings are over, and they had realized little Jane's gone. And was he grabbed by somebody? Little Jane's missing. After searching the building, they began to panic, and they called the police. And they, they described me, described my clothes, and this little boy is gone. And the police said they would keep a look, look, look out for me. But I, I wasn't lost. I knew exactly where I was. I was walking on Broadway. A young man came up to me. I said, hey, are you lost? I said, no, I'm going home. He said, how about if I take you and get you some ice cream? Now, my parents had drilled into me and Carol. If ever a stranger comes up to you and says, would you like some candy? Would you like ice cream? You turn and you run and you scream, stranger danger, stranger danger. That was drilled into me. And now it was happening. He came up to me and said, would you like some ice cream? And I knew exactly what to do. I went, sure. <laughs> and so the strange man took me by the hand and led me off Broadway down a side street. The plot thickens. And he took me immediately to an ice cream parlor, bought me an ice cream cone, and called the police. By now the police had been, had been warned there was a young boy. And they, they, they called the church and said, we got him, he's fine. They sent a police car. The young man that bought me the ice cream just left. They came and picked me up, took me to church. I, I don't remember the details. I, I, it, it's part of the family folklore, so I know. But the thing I do remember, I asked the policeman if he would run the siren and the lights. He did. I was like the king of England pulling up a church. Look at all this. I loved it. And my parents wanted to know what in the world. And I said, well, I thought you left me. And they, I told them about the man who bought me ice cream. And they began to, to teach stranger danger with a little bit more passion. But my mom and dad tried frantically to find the young man. They wanted to thank him and, and, and reward him. A friend of my mother's wrote for the Post Tribune newspaper. He ran the story. I said, if this is you, contact me the, and, and I'll, I'll send you on to these parents. Nothing. My mom was able to contact a policeman that picked me up. He said, the guy that called it in was gone. It was just your, just your son. But they, she wasn't able to find out where the ice cream parlor was. So my mom and dad went to the ice cream parlor, talked to the owner. He said, yes, he remembered the man and the boy. He bought ice cream for the boy, called the police, and walked out. And mom said, where does he live? We, we don't want trouble. He, that's our son. We want to we thank him and, and, and give him a reward or something. And he said, I, the owner said, I've been in this neighborhood all my life. This, this is a family ice cream parlor here. The fact of the matter is, he's not from around here. I've never seen him ever. I've never seen him since. He just walked out and was gone. My mom and dad lived and died believing an angel had rescued their son. Because they claimed Hebrews 13.2, which says, angels enter in. We don't know it, but there are times who are entertaining angels and don't know it. They take on human form and join us. 
a praying church, did they get a response? And did God send an angel to say, come with me? Again, I don't know. Maybe that's true. No good thing will he withhold from those that walk uprightly. There's one time that I know God worked the miracle because I asked for it. One of the darkest days of my life was the death of my mother. Our, our home was somewhat matriarchal. She was an incredible guiding influence. But I'm going back more than 30 years. I was a pastor in Virginia Beach. My mother had cancer, liver cancer. And at this, 30 years ago, they, they, they did not do the transplants. And they, she was terminal. And uh, I had made a trip home and, and, and got the news and we were dealing with it. Mom was dealing with it better than anybody else. My sister called uh, not too long after, after we, we had the diagnosis and said pneumonia had set in. You may want to come home. We don't have much time. Now, my parents were living in Crown Point. They'd moved out, out, out of Gary. And she, would, she was at St. Anthony's Hospital. And as I, as I came home, I had a simple prayer. Could I just get some time with my mom? Just, just give me some time. With nobody else. Just, just give me some time alone to talk and be with my mom before she dies. Once we came home, I became clear that wasn't going to happen. And I, I don't, I don't want to be too descriptive, but you probably, you may or may not have been with somebody when they're close to death. Their, their jaw hangs down and their, their mouth breathing and the breathing is so difficult. And there's these machines keeping them going. Mom was in a coma. When I walked in that room, in two seconds I realized I wasn't going to have any time with my mom. Plus there was always family around. Families gathering to support one another. And I, being the, the son, I felt I was on duty. I, I basically lived at St. Anthony's 24 hours. I slept in the, in, in the waiting room and had food in, 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 the, in the cafeteria. It was odd for me when I did come to Valparaiso to pastor. When I would go make a pastoral call at St. Anthony's for a while, it kind of wigged me out because I got some weird memories of that place. But one day, not long before my mother died, it, it was one of those bizarre days. My dad, who had never left my mother's side, bumped into a friend that had been, he worked at Sheet and Tin Mills, and, and, and you, you were aware of the steel mills. He bumped into a friend that had been his best friend all those years. His wife was having surgery. And I said, Dad, why don't you and Al go and have lunch? Go away for a little while. Breathe and have a long lunch and reminisce and be with Al. My sister, my husband who, was, who also was, was, was there, they were educators in Bourbon, Illinois. And there was a big teacher's meeting of some kind and they needed to leave. I said, go. And our two kids were, were so young. They were staying at Tammy's mom's, which is in Palos Heights, so close because they couldn't stay at the hospital all day. And I told Tammy, why don't you go and spend the day with the kids? Just, just take the day. So because of all those oddities, I was alone with my mom in the room, but she was basically comatose, gone. And I was sitting in the room just, just reading a book, just watching the machines keep her alive, and to my absolute shock, she leaned up and went, hi. I didn't know what to say. I said, hi. I fell out of my chair. I pulled the chair up, and Mom and I talked and laughed. Talked about family Christmases, reminisced, just her and her son. And by that evening, she was unconscious again. Before the next day would, would be done, she would be gone. But when she died, there was only one person holding her hand. That would be me. 
I'll never forget that sweet day of reminiscing. I am convinced that was a gift that God gave to me. Because it was a miracle. If you've ever seen anybody in the last 24 hours of their life, you knew that was a miracle. I think if God ever came to me and said, you know, I'll tell you what, you've been a good servant. I'm going to give you four or five days. Do them again. You can't change a thing. But do them again. Oh, I, I, I got my answers right now. I would take my first date with Tammy all over again and not change a thing because I knew I was going to marry this girl. I was in love with her. She wasn't too sure about me, which I know was shocking. But I knew. Had anybody else tried to date her, they would never find the body. That's how much I loved her. I'd do that first date all over again. Our marriage day, everybody says, this went wrong, that went wrong, we got through it. Not Tammy and I. Our marriage day was perfect. I'd do that day again so fast. The birth of Jonathan, I'd do that day again. The birth of Julie, I'd do that day again. But the day I spent with my mother at St. Anthony's, I do that day again. I got my zebra that day. Does the Heavenly Father say to us, that day is a gift. I gave that to you. He says, you know, I smiled when I watched you and your mom interact. Understand this, Jesus takes more pleasure in you than you do in him. Like Tammy and her zebra, Carrie and her whale, the angel that bought me ice cream or an axe head floated. Do we sometimes look at circumstances and not notice that just maybe there's a loving God behind them? Nothing will I withhold from those that walk uprightly. Now you're kind of thinking, you know, Gene, these are, these are nice stories. But what do they have in common? This. Prayer warriors have stories. 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 Stories about God's glory entering into their lives. Now there's a philosophical truth. For every truth, the reciprocal exists. So here, if prayer warriors have stories, the reciprocal would be, if you don't have stories, you're not a prayer warrior. Hey, this was fun a minute ago. If you don't have stories, you're not a prayer warrior. Warriors have stories. Scripturally makes it clear that it's his joy to give us our zebra. Look at James 4.2. You do not receive because you don't ask. What do you got to lose by asking? Even if the answer is no, you haven't lost anything. You don't receive because you don't even ask. Matthew 21.22. Whatever you ask in prayer, you receive if you have faith. Philippians 4.6. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Why do you let your requests be known to God so that you can ignore them? 1 John 5, 14. And this is the confidence we have toward him. If we ask anything in his will, he will hear us. I can go on and on and on and on and on. I just chose some at random. There are so many verses about him desiring to give you the desires of your heart. Him desiring to see your face of joy when he meets your need. Okay, now time out. Now we've got to pull back a little bit. Don't go further than I'm going. I'm teaching scripture, but I don't want you to hear what I'm saying and say, ha, Jesus is Santa Claus. He's the magic genie. Jesus is now my bellhop. I'm not saying that or anything close. 
We could turn these wonderful promises on their head if we're not careful here. But if you are a prayer warrior over big and small things, you may notice there are times that God really does enter in. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. The key is the last part, isn't it? Walk uprightly. So here's the tough question. I understand. I, I don't want to put you down. I don't want to back you in a corner. But here's the tough question. Reverend Rich Doring is coming in a month. This is a gigantic transition for him, for his family. Have you prayed for him? Earnestly. His kids are having their lives changed, too. They're being uprooted. Have you prayed for his leadership? Have you prayed for God's call on his life? Have you prayed for what's going to happen here under his leadership? Have you spent that time, prayer warrior, praying about the future of your church, praying about the guy that's coming? This is walking uprightly. That's what it's about. If not, why in the world not? Because I've discovered every promise of God has a condition. There are no blank checks in the Bible. Nothing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. There's a condition. Even, even our salvation has a condition. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, condition, he's faithful and just would, would forgive us our sins. Every promise of God is married to a condition. We must meet first. Are you prayerfully preparing for 2021? This new year and new leadership? Heaven help us. If not, why not? The church's best days in the future, we love to say those things, the church's best days in the future are related to your best days in the future. Stand in the gap. I believe God is calling for prayer warriors because when he has prayer warriors who walk uprightly, then he can bless us. And I believe it gives him more joy than us to bless us. Matthew makes this pretty clear. Matthew 7, 9 to 11. Oh, what is there of you if your son asks for bread, you give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent? If being evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father in heaven give good gifts to them that ask him? It pleases him to see our face of joy. That's our Heavenly Father. No wonder prayer warriors have stories. It makes sense. No wonder prayer warriors have stories. Not every gift that Tammy and I have given to our kids have been on their Christmas or their birthdays. Sometimes treats happen just because I want to see their face. My son, of course, is grown now with children, military, living in Alaska. He has two boys, David and John. By tradition, as best we can, of course, the COVID year. But by traditionally, the boys come down and spend a week with us. This happened ever since they were very young. And when they were very young, we took them to the water park on US 30. They had never seen anything like that. Talk about two boys that discovered heaven. And Tammy and I that day decided this is a tradition. Every year the boys come. We got to bring them here. That was an incredible day. So next year they're, a year, they're, they're still very young, but they're a year older. We're driving down US 30, and when I pulled in the parking lot, David yelled to John, it's still here! I'm not sure where it was going to go. But to see the joy on their faces. I forget what I paid, but who cares? At some point, who cares? It's worth every penny. Just to see their joy and to see David yell out, it's still here. Heaven still exists. In Scripture we read, if we know how to give good gifts, 
how much more does our Heavenly Father? He must love lighting us up. It's His joy for His glory. If He put that zebra on the road, I bet He loves seeing Tammy light up. He lit me up when my mother leaned over and said hi. He lit me up. I think it lit him up. To say, Jane, little gift, what do you think? Enjoy this time with your mom. It's a new year. You got a zebra out there. A desire. Maybe it's big, maybe it's not big. That prayer warrior, you need to take to Jesus. Like that axe head, an insignificant miracle happened. What's your zebra? What's your passion for your new pastor, prayer warrior? Because our Father wants to enjoy you as you enjoy Him. This is a relationship. A relationship is based in joy. I, I'm not going to waste my time asking you, what are you praying about? But let me challenge you by saying instead, what are you not praying about? Why not? Because prayer warriors have stories. And you need a story. In 2021. Let's stand together, please. Father, you are so good to us. Remind us over and over how good you are to us. It is your joy to answer prayer. You didn't give us prayer as a weapon to ignore. It seems to be your joy to answer prayer, whether it is raising Lazarus from the dead, healing a blind, or making an axe head float to the top of the water so Elisha can grab it. You don't seem to rate miracles. You just meet needs. Father, convict us. Richard Doring is preparing to come here. I believe he's praying about this church. How dare we not pray about him? May we spend our time in this last month on our face before you, praying your blessings on this family, praying your blessings on his kids as they all change their life to be a part of this church and this community and their leadership. May we be prayer warriors for the future. Our church won't be better unless we're better. Empower us. Motivate us. Challenge us. Love us. Help us to find our zebra and lay it at your feet. In your holy name, amen.